Hey everyone, welcome back to Adhering Apologetics. As always, we're brought to you by you with your support on Patreon.com. Today I'm joined by Brad from Carolina. He is a Christian apologist with Armor and Truth Ministries. We're going to be talking about uh, persecution, theology, all kinds of fun stuff. But Brad, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I look forward to uh, wherever we go. Awesome, man. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to be breaking down um, the idea of persecution and how Christians should deal with it. Talk about uh, what it is, resistance theology, all kinds of fun stuff today. But before we get into too much, Brad, do you talk a little bit about like who you are and what you do and things like that? Okay. Well, this is a fun question because <laughs> I, I think I'm I, I think I might be a little bit of a troublemaker. It could be could be true. Um, so let me just say that I don't I'm not I'm not really an apologist. I'm not really I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm kind of positioned in between those people and everyone else. I'm kind of a commentator. So, you know, uh, I do take liberties and I get I get out there and talk about, uh, uh, you know, you hear people say, well, this I'm not an expert in this. I'm not an expert in that. Well, you know, I try to be an expert in everything. That's a joke. But anyway, I do want to bring a perspective to everyone and uh i just i love people and it really pains me to see others suffer unnecessarily or in any way and it's particularly distressing to me to see to watch people suffer from their from their own ignorance but that's me i can relate to that that's how my life has been spent most of it i suffer from my own self-inflicted trauma all the time and that's why i and everyone else needs the savior and there's only one who can deliver that and that's you know that's essentially why you and i are here talking today that's what we're out here doing is trying to to bring the truth god's word to people in a fallen world but i'm really just a servant of god that's what i am that's a servant of the god who saved me um if you want a real pastor uh i would suggest mike winger if you want a real apologist braxton hunter those guys you know they're they're, they're the qualified guys and so so i, I went sometimes at the at when when uh, i'm referred to as one of those titles but i do i do appreciate it and uh so what i'm doing out here though i have a i have a, a ministry here in my hometown i'm in western north carolina and it's it's a real ministry on the ground here this youtube uh, or this online is really just sort of an outreach for that but it's you know it's growing pretty well and this is where the people are you know out on youtube and out on facebook that's that's the mission field if you're going to if you're going to be online and so uh, a few years ago actually a couple years ago i decided to to give it a shot and try to expand what i was doing in the community online with just doing bible studies just as as you know, not not trying to offer my opinion or my own theology to people, just just uh, just basic Bible studies. And it uh, sort of grew into, well, I just really couldn't keep my mouth shut, I guess. I had to go into other issues and I, I, I delve into politics probably too much. But there's a movement afoot in the world today. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit. Is, there's a movement and it's a very specific type of movement that aims to bring the world together under one banner. And what is that banner? We need to know what that banner is before we decide whether we want to accept it or not. And uh, that's, let me, uh, this is a good chance, I think. Let me just, I want to explain 
since you've given me this opportunity to talk to, to your folks too, I want to explain a little bit what, about what I mean by persecution since that, that's what we're getting into today. Like you and I, we're both white male Christians living in the, the greatest experiment of human freedom that man has ever devised. So it's crucial to keep that perspective when we talk about persecution. Uh, we keep that in our mind and in our heart when we discuss these matters because you know, in all honesty, we really don't know. We don't know what real persecution is yet. Mm -hmm. But that's also a valid perspective from which to mount a defense of, of, of the privileges that God has given us, has afforded us in this life. So, so what I've kind of, the position I have is, I, is when I cover current events, which I do twice a week on my channel, a, a show called Armor of Truth Radio, where we look at current events and, Try to discern things through the Christian worldview because it's the one that's true. And then the other shows are just, you know, uh, Bible studies or devotionals, things like that. But here's what I think. We're being conditioned right now in the world to fear one another uh, at the most basic level. We're finding ourselves afraid to hug our families, even today. And we're uh, afraid that somehow if we don't acquiesce to every single arbitrary mandate that comes down from the, from the satraps and the and the the ruling class that somehow we're going to offend somebody and that's hard that's hard to live that way it's you constantly uh worried or in, in paranoia so i happen to believe i happen to have the opinion that this is the dawn of actual persecution in the west this is the arrival of soft totalitarianism i think that we've fallen for slogans political paradigms and we've replaced our faith in God with mascots and secular ideals. So it's probably a good idea to define soft totalitarianism as uh, before we get started today. The way I understand it is it's a form of control that doesn't really need jackboots or dictators. It's therapeutic. Soft totalitarianism is therapeutic. What it does is it conditions its rule by what feels right rather than what is eternally true. Uh, so control is essentially compelled by shame, shame and the threat of social isolation. And we see that today. We see that, uh, we see that movement happening. Certain groups in a soft totalitarian state, certain groups will be protected, and we see that too. And their arguments and positions may not be questioned. You can't, you can't criticize those protect, the arguments of protected groups today, or you're or you risk social isolation. So, of course, then there's also the direct persecution of those groups who do live by an eternal truth. And I, I, would, I would point to us as Christians as, as those people. For instance, the closing down of churches, things like that, uh, being deemed too unsafe, too unsafe to go to church while debauchery seem, is deemed essential and is celebrated at the same time. So this is, in my opinion, this is how we can see who the enemy of the new global technocracy really is. So the enemy is truth. The enemy is absolute truth and objective morality. And that is one of the reasons why I'm out here being a loudmouth right now. That's what I'm that's that's what I feel that I'm called to do. And I try to do it faithfully and stay founded in Scripture because that's where the truth is. Right. Right. Um, um, so, so there's a little, there's a little bit of, bit of echo. 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 Yeah. yeah, maybe that's me. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I think it's good now. 
right. I can just put you on mute for a second, Brad, um, while I talk for a second. But I think, sorry about that. Um, we've, we're going to talk about persecution. And I really appreciate you coming on, Brad, because at least from my perspective, I may not agree with you on everything. Um, but hopefully that's like with the focus on like adhering apologetics and just like us is, you know, we can disagree um, and be okay with it as Christians. That's just like, that's fine. But it's important to dive into these really important topics. And I'm not here to debate Brad because I don't even know what I believe about this topic. But I think it's important to realize you don't have to agree with everything, either one of us, and you probably shouldn't. But um, I think it's just helpful to start by just defining persecution. Um, cause it can mean a lot of different things. You know, we can think about like, um, people being killed for their faith, whether it's in like the Middle East or North Africa. Um, but then there's also different kinds of persecution that I think you'd say that we might be encountering as Christians even in America as well. So can you just define persecution to start things off here? Go back to Webster's 1828. That seems to be a good source to get because today language is under attack. Right. Well, there's it seems to be fluid. It's just whatever you want the word to mean, it can mean now. But there is truth. And I think that at least with in this context, we can define persecution in a general sense to pursue in a manner to injure or vex or afflict. That's what Noah Webster would say anyway, to harass with unjust punishment or penalties for supposed offenses. And I like to use the term arbitrary when I talk about some of the things that are being done today uh, means they're not founded in any truth. They're just a reaction to feelings, but it's a, to inflict pain or hatred uh, or appropriately to afflict or harass or destroy for adherence to a, a particular creed or system of religious principles. And I think it's my opinion anyway, that a move, one of the, one of the, uh, Element, one of the movement that we see kind of afoot around us today is a religious movement. And I'm speaking specifically about this postmodern movement of relativism. It seems to be religious in nature. And so when I'm talking about persecution, if I'm defining it, I'm going to stay pretty close to what Noah Webster had to say. And then us and I, and, and I can see that happening to to us here in the West today. Of course, once again, I would say that we haven't experienced this severe persecution, but we should be vigilant in trying to keep it from happening because certainly, certainly if we fall here in the United States of America, the rest of the world suffers. That's my opinion anyway. Uh, like for instance, when we, if, when our economy fails, other nations uh, suffer and starve. It's just, it just, that's what happens. So we have, uh, I think a responsibility to, uh, to protect what God has afforded us, I think. So that's, Persecution essentially is, I looked at some articles too, so I saw that question that you asked, and I, I read some articles about uh, people who were critical of Christians who think that they're under persecution. And it's true, there is there is an idea out there of persecution complex, but we'll wait. I've got a question, you're coming up on that. I'll get to that in just a minute. But that's what I think, when I think persecution, that's what I, how I see it and define it. Yeah, that's great. Um, we will be talking um, in just a minute here about like, do Americans have a persecution complex or something like that? It's a really important question, and we'll get to that in a minute. But 
so you read this book called um, Live Not by Lies, which talks about like Christian persecution from the Soviet Union and like what we can learn from it and like totalitarianism. And I've heard so much about uh, this book. I've heard about it from other people kind of engaging with like where we are as a country and stuff. So could you talk about like this book and what's going on and how it like impacted your views in terms of like persecution in America and all these important topics kind of bundled up into one here? Yeah, it's really it's a really interesting book, and it is written from the perspective of a, of of, cons, of the of the conservative perspective. So uh, it, it does. It, well, I don't know. It a criticism of the book, perhaps, is that it doesn't give a fair assessment of the of the left, but uh, that's debatable. But. Essentially, uh, what Rod Dreher has done, here's the book for anybody who's interested. What Rod Dreher has done, it says, see there's a subtitle, a manual for Christian dissidents. Some people don't like the idea of being a dissident as a Christian, but, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. So he goes, he, what, what happened was he was, he was compelled by, by reports and, and stories that he had heard from people who lived in the Soviet Union during that oppression, the oppression of communism, Christians who live there. And how did they keep their faith? Because you, you couldn't be openly Christian in that society. It was, uh, they would beat you. They would put you in jail. It just wasn't allowed. So the best way to, to, to sum up what this book has to say is right here in the introduction. He says this, the spiritual power of the antichrist, uh, the spiritual power takes, uh, this is actually a quote from Pope Benedict, which is very interesting. He says this is uh, this uh, humanistic ideology that pushed dissenters to society's margins. Pope Benedict called this a manifestation of the spiritual power of Antichrist, the spiritual power that takes material form in government and private institutions. So we see today a mixture. We see corporations and government really working together, and you don't know the difference between the two. Uh, so in corporations, academia, the media, and changing the changing practices of everyday American life, it, it's empowered this movement by unprecedented technological capabilities to surveil private life. And there's virtually nowhere left to hide. And personally, I don't feel like I need to hide. I'm happy to walk right through the middle of the chaos and carry the gospel right through it. So, but there's another point here. The old form of hard totalitarianism had a vision for the world that required the eradication of Christianity. But this new soft totalitarianism that we're talking about here today does too. Same thing. And we're not really equipped, according to Rod Dreher here, and I happen to believe at this uh, to agree with this point, that we're not equipped to resist this sneakier attack. We can't hope to resist the coming of this soft totalitarianism if we do not have our spiritual lives in order. I think that's good advice. Right. The foundation of uh, totalitarianism is an, an ideology made of lies. And that's what we just mentioned a minute ago, that relativism. Relativism is the foundation of, of a totalitarian movement. The system depends for its existence on a people's fear of challenging the lies. So I mentioned that a minute ago. We're being made to sort of be afraid of one another on all levels. And I see that, especially after going through Rod Dreher's book here, that that's something, that, that's, something that's very real. It's really happening in our in our world today. And he gives examples in the book of 
Christians in Slovakia, throughout the, the Soviet bloc countries as they dealt with real persecution. And you get accounts and hear from people who lived through it telling us, look out. What you see happening right now in your country is exactly what happened to us before the big communist movement. But he also he's also faithful to give solutions in here, too. It's a it's a good book. I would recommend it to anyone who wants to understand a little bit better what's actually happening around us uh, in the world. Right. Um, yeah, that's great. So I think uh, from here you talk about this like soft totalitarianism, big word uh, there, just talking about um, what we're going through as a country almost and what could potentially be coming. Um, so when we're referring to like persecution, especially like for like us in the West, it's probably most people like from the West that are listening to this uh, broadcast or podcast or whatever. Um, how do we determine like what is persecution? Like what is we may not be like drug out of our homes and like, beheaded or like tortured for our faith, but what is this like soft totalitarianism um, that you're talking about here in terms of like the persecution or so we call persecution that we may be facing as Christians in the West? Well, once again, it's therapeutic. It's an interesting term. It's it's really not like the jackboot style that we would think. It's, well, it's softer, but it's just as insidious. It's just as, it's just as evil. One way to understand who is persecuted, how do we point out in a society who is persecuted today? Well, in the West, currently, just figure, look around. Who's not allowed to speak? Who's not, who's not allowed to give their opinions? Uh, and if they do, they're they're shouted down or they're marginalized. Uh, that's how I would. That's one way as as we look as we talk about a, a growing movement of soft totalitarianism, this therapeutic totalitarianism where things are are determined. Rule is is determined on what feels right or ostensibly what feels right. But there's a difference there between. Uh, as, as we'll get into the persecution complex in just a minute, but there's a difference between victimhood culture and and persecution or, or, or looking out for persecution, being vigilant about persecution. I would distinguish what I'm talking about in my position as very different than victimhood culture. Victimhood culture seems to be something that's being uh, taught and fomented at the university level. At, well, even even earlier than that, at the public school level these days where where you're, you're taught that you're entitled uh, but you don't know why you don't know why you're, you're entitled basically because of your uh, because of your what level of of oppression that you're living under right it's uh there's a you can find hierarchies of of oppression that that exist in, in the victimhood culture model but that's something different. That's that's kind of a separate movement that I think is being fomented on the people. The the idea of persecution is 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 separate. So we won't go into victimhood culture too much today. I've gone into that quite a bit over on my channel. If anyone's interested in checking that out, looking at it, you know, from a from a uh, as much as I can anyway, from an academic perspective and getting the opinions of, of other people who are more well are well more well versed in it than I am. So. I think just to answer the question shortly, who can speak? Who's allowed to speak? Whose opinions are, are allowed to be given in the public uh, or who's not? And whoever the ones that are not allowed to speak today, those are the ones who, in my uh, opinion, are being persecuted 
small, at a small level right now. But nonetheless, it's it's the start. Mm. Right. So I think we're talking a little bit about like the idea of freedom of speech here and like this idea of like maybe like censorship. Obviously, there's been like, um, I think David Wood even within like the past couple of days was demonetized on YouTube and there's people maybe like blocked or removed from like social media accounts and stuff. Like, one of the things I always wonder, like, how do we draw the line? Because, like, obviously, if someone's like running around saying, um, there's a bomb, there's a bomb, and there's no bomb it would make sense to like remove them um, from the platform or something because free speech is a very important thing, but it's not something that is meant in like every exact case because there's instances where it can be extremely harmful. So what I'm, I think what I'm asking you is like, how do we draw the line here? Cause it seems like with like um, persecution and discussions, it does seem like, like our, the Christian perspective is somewhat um, attacked a little bit on like now like social media and stuff how do we draw the line between like what's like fair game and what's kind of like actually like persecution kind of as we're talking about here the way i think about that is that as christians romans 13 we're we're commanded to obey the authorities that we live under up until a certain point you know mm -hmm. when it when it when it, if it involves uh doing that which God has not allowed, you know, we have to draw, there is a line for us. But the way I look at that is there are, we have a constitution. There are laws of the land that are reasonable. If we just assert our rights, according to the laws of the land, assert our rights, according to our God given rights, which is where rights come from. Governments are there to protect rights, to secure rights. They're not there to give them. But if we, if we assert our rights in that way and just be willing to accept the consequences, I think that's what freedom is. But yeah, if someone's if someone's I was listening to Tom Jump last night, just talk, they were talking about this very thing about free speech and how should it. Uh, what is the line? And some of the examples they were given, there were interesting. If someone is standing in the middle of Walmart, screaming at the top of their lungs, cursing. OK, that's that's a breach of peace. That That's not. That's not uh, that's not uh, free speech. That's not free speech. That's re that's just bad behavior. That's probably uh, breaking some ordinance uh, in the in the community. Uh, you mentioned screaming bomb in a theater, unless there's you know unless there's really a bomb there, or fire in a crowded theater or something. These this is just these are examples of aberrant behavior. What we actually see happening today is reasonable discourse being shut down you know people being uh and i'm not here to defend any it, it, the president or in his tweets or anything like that i'm no apologist for donald trump at all but i don't think that removing him or anyone else off of a platform like that is is a correct response to I, this is what i mean this is what we're talking about the, the soft totalitarianism where the narrative is going to be controlled so I don't know. I hope that answers the question. I just think that that we already have standards and, and policies and laws in place. This new movement is something different. It's it's uh, so as far as how do we define what what is allowed? I think we already know. I think I think a reasonable uh, we have reasonable laws for that already. Right. Yeah, I, I think I'm following you. Like, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a sense where um, we have to allow reasonable discourse. We can't just shut off and uh, block discourse, which kind of goes into the question of do Americans have like a persecution complex? I've heard this a lot from maybe people um, 
you know, who may be critical of like uh, Christians speaking out regarding just things going on in our country. And they'll say, yeah, Christians, they just they just want to be persecuted in America. They want to play the victim here. And there's actually people dying um, other countries as Christians. So do, how do we respond to like the question of like, do Americans uh, today, especially Christian Americans, have a persecution complex? Well, uh, possibly yes. <laughs> yes, I think so. We've had it good for a long time here in this mm-hmm. country anyway. And the slightest offense to us, we, we seem to think that's a persecution. And uh, that's, that's valid. That's valid. That's a valid criticism of, of the way we react sometimes. However, we ought not to assume that we're not ever going to be persecuted equally as violently as our brothers and sisters around the world. In fact, you could make the argument that it, I'll say it again, that it's our duty to protect our freedoms because if we fall, the world falls in a sense. And that statement, I don't think that's hyperbole. When our economy fails, people suffer around the world. But this is not an ideal state of affairs, of course, but this just seems to be the true circumstance that we're in. And to answer the question about do we have a persecution complex, I think it's fair to look around the world and see, do we have a reason? Do we have a reason to be worried about what might happen to us? So just a few stats, just a couple. Um, in the top 50 watch list countries alone, 245 million Christians, this is in the last year alone, 245 million Christians in the world experienced high levels of persecution. Now that means up into death for your faith, uh, for the choice to follow Christ, to be specific. One in nine Christians worldwide experience high levels of persecution. 14% is the rise in the number of Christians in the top 50 countries in this 2019 World Watch list to experience high levels of persecution. Over 4,000 Christians killed for their faith in these top 50 countries. 2,600 Christians detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned in these same countries. Over 1,200 churches or Christian buildings attacked. It could go on and on. The point is, Christians are the most persecuted people in the world. The stats are clear. Now, people might not, some people might not like the sound of that, but if you're just going to look at facts, those are the facts. And if we know that, that to be the truth, then it's it's good to be vigilant. And yes, there's a little bit of a persecution complex when we start looking for things to, that we start trying to create persecutions out of things that are not. So I try to be careful about that. But we need to be vigilant because this can come to us. And that's what I'm trying to uh, to speak out about, I think. Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate you um, trying to represent crisis through these really difficult issues. Um, and I think it's one thing to just kind of like see persecution going on and acknowledge it. But I think a really big question is how as Christians do we to respond to persecution? Um, you know, there, there's debates on this and we'll get into resistance theology in just a minute here. Like in general, like how do we respond to this idea of persecution? Cause obviously you almost have to take it like a case by case basis, but there's so much going on here. Like in general, like what kind of advice do you give for people for responding to persecution? I think the answer to that is simple, personally. That's my opinion. I think it's simple. How do we react to persecution? And even even, even with the next piece about resistance, it's the same thing. How? We have to define what is freedom, I think. What is freedom? And the freedom is, if I'm going to define it, it's going to be 
asserting your God-given human rights and being willing to accept the consequences. You can be in prison and be free if you, you know, you asserted your God-given human rights and you were willing to accept the consequences. So in in my opinion, res response to persecution would be should be the same as the response to anything else. Faith. Just be in the faith. Be in the faith, walk in the faith, and be bold and be bold about it. I think that that's what resistance is to me. I, we're not called to rebellion. Look, we don't need to be in rebellion. All we need to do, we still have the opportunity. All we need to do is be bold in the faith, assert our God-given human rights, and be willing to accept the consequences. I think that's a faithful approach to what we see happening around us. And that kind of answers the resistance question, too. I would answer it the same way. That, that is resistance. Today, walking in the faith of Jesus today, that's resistance in the world we live in. Right. Good stuff. So the last kind of question I have for you here, um, and then we'll maybe get into some other stuff. If there's any like wife questions or things, we'll get to that, um, is we have this thing of faith, um, which is so important. Like as Christians, like regardless of what we're going on in our lives, to be grounded in the will of God and just like walking out the light. But resistance theology, it's such an interesting question um, responding. And it, it's something that as Christians we're dealing with right now, um, Christians around the world are dealing with it. Like, when do we resist? How do we resist? Should we even resist? Or is it like um, a total submissiveness in all circumstances? And it's really interesting because the literature is so rich in this. Like, if you read, like, once you get past the reformers of, like, Calvin and Luther, this debate's been going on for so long. Like, how do we deal with um, persecution, with tyranny, um, and things like that? Like, how do we develop a faithful resistance theology? Speaking of Calvin, Calvin has a John Calvin in the Institutes has a section on this very issue. I did this on a uh, a recent a recent show uh, talking about that very issue and reading through that, reading through some of the church fathers, which is you know uh, augments augments study of scripture. Of course, scripture is, I believe, infallible in its uh, in its truths in its uh, in it in what it speaks on anyway, and it does. I believe, speak on these issues. And once again, the resistance simply is to be in the faith, mm. to be in the faith and to be fearless in the faith because fear of a man is a snare. A fear of a man will, will, it, it's, it's a trap. This is, uh, you know, this is, we find this in scripture. Clearly it's old Testament, but it's still relevant. Uh, so not to fear men, but to fear God and to walk boldly in the faith, that's resistance, in my opinion. And so that's how I would answer that. Resistance is simply faith, being bold in the faith. And that is, uh, that's at a premium today. We, we have a hard time doing that because, once again, we've had it really good here for a long time. And at the first sign of trouble, we want to run back into the cave and just, just watch the nice shadows on the wall because it's safe down there. And uh, that's understandable. But I just I think that now is it now is a look, God, whatever, whatever evil happens in the world, we know God, God can use it, means it for good. And perhaps this is a time for us when things are going to get a little more difficult. This is this is a call to repentance it's a call to faith. That's how that's how I'm looking at it anyway. So that's how I'm going to treat it in my life. So resistance is just faith being bold. Right. In the faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is great. And I think. Um, be helpful to like 
to talk about like where do we draw the line here? Like we have as Christians um, passages like Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, uh, where it's very clear that we're called to submit and obey governing authorities. But then obviously it would seem like that wouldn't apply to like every instance. Like if there's people knocking on your door in World War II and they're asking if you have like if you're hiding Jews, it wouldn't seem as Christians like, oh, we need to submit to yeah, you you would resist their um governing authorities. So especially for Americans, we live with like and so, so I look at these issues and I, I don't know, like you have like masks and COVID vaccines and churches being told to shut down and all these different, like so important and debatable topics that where there's intelligent Christians and that love the Lord on both sides. Like, how do we draw the line? Like when we, we have this faith, which can ground us and anchor us, but how do we draw the line with well, like, this is a time where it's okay to kind of like resist um, the governing authorities. Well, why don't we just look at Romans 13 uh, so we can so we can get a ground on this. Romans 13, uh, just one through seven verses one through seven says this. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. That's number one. The authorities that exist have been established by God. That's still number one. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. So once again, I don't call anyone to rebel. I don't think we need to rebel. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be bold in the faith. It goes on to say though, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. But what happens when the rulers go south? Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you for he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. So this the idea here is this passage makes it abundantly clear that we are to obey government uh, th that God places over us. God created government to establish order, to punish evil, and to promote justice. One of the reasons I believe as a, of someone who plays an apologist on TV is that God has – governments are necessary because we're fallen. Man's heart is wicked, and it's necessary to have structure. But we are to obey government in everything, paying taxes, obeying rules and laws and showing respect. If we do not, we're ultimately showing disrespect towards God in that sense. He's the one that placed the government over us. The next question is, is there a time, which you're asking, is there a time when we should intentionally disobey laws of the land? The answer to that question can be found in Acts chapter 5, verses 27 to 29. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. He said, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Speaking of Jesus, Peter and the other apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. Mm. From this, it's clear that as long as the law of the land does not contradict the law of God, we are bound to obey the law of the land. But as soon as that law of the land contradicts God's command, then we disobey the law of the land. Now, that's where the debate is. So you have your own conscience. As a Christian, you're going to get held responsible for your own grasp of what, what, uh, what scriptures say. So, but, but even in that instance, we're to accept the government's authority over us. It's demonstrated by the fact that Peter and John didn't protest being flogged. You know, if we're to be persecuted, then you know what, uh, Polycarp, think, you know, thank God for making me worthy, you know, to be a martyr if that should happen. But that's my feeling on it anyway. So that's, 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 as, that's as close to Scripture as I can keep it. It's going to be on all of our consciences how we, how we respond to it, I believe. 
Yeah, that's great, Brad. Um, so that's about all the questions I have. So unless anything kind of pops up, any like live questions or anything like that, we'll start to head towards an end here. Um, we covered a lot of ground, Brad, and you talked a lot of, about a lot of very important topics. And I know you do a lot of stuff like this on your channel, so I encourage everyone to check out Brad from Carolina if you're listening to this and don't know who Brad is. Um, but is there anything kind of you want to like bring up, last thoughts before we start to like wrap things up here? There is a, there is an article that. I read this on. A, I won't. I won't go through it here because I've I've covered it pretty clearly on my channel, and it's from a John Rappaport from uh, NoMoreFakeNews.com. Is his, his channel? This guy has covered the medical industry and the pharmaceutical industry now for almost forty years. He's an investigative reporter, and so he, he's written a piece here where he's talking about what pretty much what we're talking about here. And he's the title of the article is "Where Are the Courageous Religious Leaders?" He's talking about, you know, a broad spectrum now, not not just Christianity. Uh, but he makes cases. He may, And I don't know what his theology is, if he's a Christian or not. I don't know if he, maybe he's Roman Catholic. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's not clear about that. But the, the indictment he lays out of modern Christianity is valid. He uses the word rebel here a lot or rebel which I would take issue with. I don't think we need to rebel, but I would just, you know, people, if you want to check out this article, you can find it over at nomorefakenews.com. Where are the uh, courageous religious leaders? Um, there just seems to be, the part that I agreed with here, I'll just make this short, was that he said, listen, if we have leaders who are afraid to suffer, then I think it's time for those leaders step aside and let someone else step into the role. You know, that's for a person in my position, that might sound bold. I guess it is bold, but that that's, I think is valid. Um, we have, if just like it says in Rod Dreher's book, if you're not ready and willing to suffer for the faith, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it in this new movement. And that's kind of the message that I would like to, to bring today. That's uh Something I think is important. Be be ready to suffer for the faith, and you'll be blessed. First Peter, chapter three, tells us that very clearly. Mm, yeah, be ready to suffer. That's so great. Um, and as Christians, it's definitely something we should be prepared to do. So, uh, Brad, just I want to say thank you so much for coming on today and talking about all these important issues. If people want to like follow you and your work, um, how do they follow this man, Brad, with the cool Southern accent from Carolina? <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Uh, you can come to. Uh, Brad from Carolina on YouTube. We're going to have a, I don't have it up yet, but we have a website that we're going to have up pretty soon. I'm working with uh, uh, Days of Noah YouTube channel as well. I, I would do a lot with him, and we're working on having a, over at his channel a new format, a new type, like a news format that we're going to do together. Uh, this is all, you know, based in, in bringing the truth of God's word to people. That's, that's the point underlying all of it. That's where we want to direct everyone. So for now, uh, YouTube. I'm on Twitter as well. It's Armor of Truth Ministry at uh, on Twitter, but uh, the the ministry is growing. The online expression of the ministry is growing, so uh, just keep an eye out for the website, which is coming soon. I had one before, but I, I wasn't able to maintain it the way I wanted to, so we, I just put it to the side for a while. And I'm going to relaunch it here pretty soon, and hopefully give everyone a place to come because I we have to be honest. Uh, I'm kind of a troublemaker, and YouTube might just you know, they might just get rid of me any day. We see it, like you said, David Wood recently, he's too big for them to delete, so they'll demonetize him. 
And uh, so I, I expect that to happen since it's a smaller channel sometime probably to, for the channel to be gotten rid of because this is what we've talked about today. The narrative must be controlled. You can't – this message is not convenient for those who are currently aspiring to power. So that's mm. – just find me on YouTube for now, and uh, I'll be announcing the, uh, the website there. Awesome. I well, encourage everyone to subscribe to Brad from Carolina. If you're new here, um, encourage you to subscribe to us. Thank you so much for your time, Brad. I really appreciated that. And after you subscribe to Brad, if you haven't already, I encourage you, if you're new to here in Apologetics, be sure to subscribe on your way out. Um, lots of great content coming up. We're looking forward to it. If you enjoyed the show, you can support us on patreon.com slash adhere in Apologetics. Right now, we're getting close to 90% funded, so I appreciate everyone's support through that. And you can chip in one, two, three dollars a month. Your support means a lot. But Brad, thank you so much for this great conversation, and thank you um, for being bold and standing up for what you believe in and more importantly standing up for the word of god brad thank thank you so much for your time thanks for having me i appreciate it all right thanks to you everyone for tuning in hope you have a good one and god bless